To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. The British people have had enough of waiting. The time has come to act. People are really angry out there. They're angry that the referendum's not being carried out. But they're even angrier that politicians' promises to them have been broken. Given how huge this decision is for our country, the severe consequences there will be for generations, it is time to put this back to the people and stop this Brexit chaos. We will do everything necessary to stop a disastrous no deal. You are listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Sebastian Salik. And good afternoon. I'm Caroline Hepke. So we've just been listening to the Queen's speech, what, for the last 30 minutes or so. Uh, she's uh, off in the golden carriage, having delivered her 65th uh, Queen's speech, laying down all of the legislation uh, that she that she thinks that her government is going to be enacting, but big question marks about it. Looking fantastic, might I add. If you're not watching this on any sort of televisual device, I strongly suggest you do, but don't switch off here. Um, So we've had all sorts, haven't we? Law, Law and order, NHS. Let's just have a little listen to Queen Elizabeth in all of her majesty. New sentencing laws will see that the most serious offenders spend longer in custody to reflect better the severity of their crimes. So, uh, yeah, big on law and order, prison reform, uh, harsher punishments for foreign offenders on UK soil. So this is obviously familiar conservative territory, uh, the NHS, uh, the environment and also the national space strategy that Boris Johnson's uh, administration wants to bring in. Thinking big, maybe looking to the other side of the pond in that respect. Of course, things still going on in Brussels. No sign of a deal yet. In a minute, we're going to speak to Seb Dance. He's the Labour MEP for London. But first, let's bring in Tim Ross. He's the head of Bloomberg's UK politics team. Tim, I want to bring it back to the Queen's speech, because all of this really is meaningless until Brexit is sorted. That's right. And in fact, it was the first policy aim that the Queen mentioned for the government. And it's obviously the most important thing of all, because if they can't get the Brexit deal, then it's going to be a very difficult uh, landscape to navigate for Boris Johnson and uh, or indeed Jeremy Corbyn, because we're expecting an election. That, of course, is the other crucial factor that wasn't quite spelled out today. Um, Really, with no majority, Johnson can't actually do very many of these uh, things that he wants to that, that he's he's outlined in the Queen's speech today so he'll yeah. be wanting that election no indeed and and we saw didn't we Boris Johnson and Jeremy Corbyn uh sort of striding into the House of Lords to listen to that speech looking pretty uncomfortable side uh, side by side as they entered yeah you mentioned uh, that it was the first thing that the Queen said you know securing the EU departure on the 31st of October it was her government's top agenda point and that her government intends to work on a new trade partnership with the European Union. Uh, So this front and centre, aside from all of the domestic issues, but then Brussels, uh, you know, we had some optimism at the end of last week that a trade, sorry, that an exit deal might be done with the EU. But then that looked a lot more likely this Monday. Yeah, so the the issue in Brussels at the moment, as I understand it, is these talks are going on. They've stepped they've stepped up the pace and the intensity of these negotiations 
and both sides really are trying as hard as they can, I think. But the issue really is is on on the EU side, as we've mm. been reporting today, the UK plans seem pretty complicated. They are going to take a lot of work and there isn't quite enough detail yet there from Britain to satisfy the EU. So it's hit a bit of a a stumbling block at the moment and there's not much time to sort it out. Some talk of a deal in principle where they get everything worked out but don't quite have time to get it down in, in legal language. Is that something that both sides would countenance? I think you'd have to say that it would be, wouldn't you? Because everyone wants to get this done. And of course, that would mean a what's called a technical extension beyond that October the 31st deadline, which might potentially be awkward for Boris Johnson, who's made such a big priority of leaving on that date. And the Queen has said it again today. Uh, But in the end, I don't think too many people would mind if it were another couple of weeks uh, just to get the legal text in order and get that deal if it comes through both the British Parliament and the EU Parliament. I suppose the idea really is, yes, as you say, the all-important general election, trying to neutralise the uh, Brexit party vote. You know, the, the, the Tories trying to keep hold of this issue that they are going to deliver Brexit, even if it slips by a few weeks or even a couple of months, that they'll be able to go to the electorate with that pledge, I suppose, is absolutely key to trying to, what, revive the majority in the House of, uh, House of Commons? You're completely right. It's absolutely vital for the Conservatives that they do not end up fighting an election with with Nigel Farage breathing down their necks saying, if you want Brexit, don't vote for Johnson, he's failed, vote for me, because that Brexit party vote could really eat into the Conservative Party's uh, support base. And we we saw that as a threat in 2015. Uh, David Cameron managed to neutralise it then, and Johnson will have to do the same this time. Fantastic. Tim Ross, thank you very much. That was Tim Ross, the head of Bloomberg's UK politics team, just watching the Queen in the carriage now, still by the looks of things in the Palace of Westminster as she heads out into the wider world. But let's bring things back to Brussels because joining us here is Seb Dance, the London MEP for London. Thank you very much for joining us today. Let's look ahead a little bit and assume that Britain ends up remaining in the European Union. Mm. Haven't we crossed the Rubicon here, though? Because Britain's credibility really has been trashed in Brussels. Well, firstly, I like the assumption. Uh, secondly, <laughs> um, yes, I, I, this whole process has definitely, you know, if nothing else, uh, put this country on a much weaker footing than it was before um, in terms of the economy, obviously. But yes, our, our reputation, our ability to project influence, I think, has been severely damaged. So does it make remain untenable? Though? No, I, I mean, look, remain is better than leaving. Um, in terms of the long-term damage that, that, that leaving the European Union will do to this country, remaining in the European Union will obviously uh, uh, prevent, uh, prevent that damage from happening. But in terms of reputational damage... It, you know, a lot has already, we've, we've sustained a lot already. Uh, so, um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Seb Dance, who is the Labour MEP for, for London. Um, it's really good to have you here. Look, what sense, though, I mean, obviously you're sitting in the London studio, but, you, you know, you spend so much time in Europe. What is your sense in Brussels of whether or not Johnson can get this deal? I mean, markets and sort of investors are mm. trading every single news line. Mm. And, you know, every day it's, it's incredibly erratic. W- mm. What's your overall sense now. Gosh, I, you now made me nervous. If I say something, I might <laughs> crash the pound. So let me just... Uh, no, I, I, I... Look, I think uh, on Friday, um, obviously, the Taoiseach and the Prime Minister had the discussions. There was a lot of excitement that actually perhaps there might be some sort of machination that might work. Um, of course, when you look at what's been mooted as, as, as the proposed uh, way through, it is essentially the checkers plan that 
Boris Johnson forced his predecessor to uh, to effectively resign over. Uh, uh, that was the 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 start of of his uh, replacement replacing Theresa May. Um, but then he's about to come back essentially with the same proposals. Um, make of that what you will. Um, but I think look. Ultimately, it is far more complex than the backstop in the mm-hmm. withdrawal agreement as is. Um, it would lead to a lot of confusion and, and, and there is a need, I think, for a lot of detailed discussions about what it means for stuff that is perhaps imported into Northern Ireland and reprocessed out. You know, What would that come under? How would uh, the different customs regimes uh, work? And I think there is a sense of frustration in the U27 that these plans have been sprung suddenly at the last minute uh, and a recognition that actually, I'm sorry, you need a lot of time to discuss this through and work it out and it can't be done in a couple of days. Lots of chatter about what Labour MPs might do on Saturday. Um, some talk of a push for a confirmatory vote if we do get a deal. Do you stand for that? Mm, absolutely. I mean, I've always been of the view that if you um, have a proposal uh, uh, to leave the European Union based on something, i.e. increased investment, more jobs, uh, still being part of a, a big single market from Iceland to Turkey, as was promised by the Leave campaign, and that doesn't materialise, then it is only democratic uh, to have a final say for people to be able to sign off the reality of Brexit versus remaining in the European Union. I I think that should have been the principle established with the first referendum. So what terms then do you stipulate there for a second referendum? Well, we have a withdrawal agreement that is already there. If it's possible for uh, the Prime Minister to negotiate something slightly different with the European Union and the EU27 sign it off, there could be another version there. Uh, But whether it's this latter version or the earlier version... That is the reality and the only deliverable Brexit. Put that against remaining in but the European Union. what about Union. margin, for example? Because 52-48 was very narrow. Mm. People might not accept that again. Mm. Do you want a bigger margin? for? A, a well, I'd love a bigger margin. But ultimately, you know, we, we, we're in this mess because we don't have uh, a, a stipulation as to what the margin should have been uh, in, in, in the other referendum. And I think, you know, a simple majority would, would, would have to suffice because that was the terms of the, of the initial referendum. Uh, Tim Ross, who is still with us, head of Bloomberg's UK politics team. What probability do you put another? the referendum at in, in all of this you know which is the labor plan well to me One it really, of them. It, it, yes it really it really <laughs> hangs on the uh, on the outcome of that election when we get it because although the conservatives at the moment are ahead in most of the polls that we see polling has been pretty tough erratic erratic difficult to, i mean the the, the 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 last few years of british Demo- democratic events have seen the polls all over the place to be honest so i wouldn't put too much store by the polling at the moment um, and I think these campaigns can be very, very volatile. You saw in 2017 that Theresa May started with a 25-point lead in the polls and lost that um, and ended up with a hung parliament. So if Labour can somehow patch together some kind of administration <coughs> after the next election, uh, perhaps with the Liberal Democrats, who are very keen on a referendum, for example, in, in some form, and the SNP perhaps too, then you can easily see a reality in which that second referendum comes along after that election. Yeah, I think the numbers might be there already, to be honest, with the current parliament. I think if, if there is not a rehash deal available by Wednesday, and as I say, I think the chances of that are very, very unlikely, but, you know, never say never, um, I, I think there's a reasonable chance that there is a sufficient majority for uh, a confirmatory referendum in the Commons as is. Could be wrong, but that's what I'm sensing and hearing from colleagues. Okay, fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, uh, you know, going to be a very, very crucial moment, isn't it? Certainly the next few days. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. It's such a big week. We've got that EU uh, summit, of course, on Thursday and Friday, and then 
it's crunch time. It's the 19th. It's what's in the Ben Act. This is the date where we have to see that extension uh, requested if we don't get any form of deal. Um, and it's certainly looking like that at the moment. So it will be interesting to see just how the government plays this after so much uh, speculation that there may be a loophole out of it. You've had constitutional lawyers coming right down uh, and pretty much showing that, that it's watertight as far as we know. A very good afternoon from London. You are listening to Bloomberg Westminster. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Sebastian Salig. As we have the Queen's speech being delivered, 26 pieces of legislation, but it all hangs on that Brexit bill, doesn't it, Caroline? Absolutely. It was the first thing that the Queen mentioned. Securing Britain's departure from the EU on the 31st of October is the government's top priority. And then uh, it, the intention to work uh, on new partnerships with the EU. Uh, but the Queen mentioned uh, that the government was going to look at ending free movement, replacing that with a points system. EU residents will still have the right to stay within the UK, but it's all going to be basically an Aussie-style point system uh, for immigrants. And also... Uh, in the Queen's speech, there were a lot of very domestic focused politics. And that's why it obviously elicited quite a lot of um, of complaints from the Labour side, basically, that it's that is a political message, that it's a party manifesto dressed up as a Queen's speech. Indeed, it did. In a minute, we're going to get back to Seb Dance, the Labour MEP, MEP for London. But first, let's take a look through the papers. Here's one for you. The Guardian, it says uncertainty over UK general election date hikes up organising costs. This is one of the risks of a potential winter election. Venues for polling stations for all sorts of uh, <laughs> administrational areas yeah have already been booked out for pre-Christmas events these are your Christmas parties and the like so the electoral commission can't afford to cover the loss of income they're struggling they're looking at smaller venues instead and the reality of that is we could have later declaration time so even more drama on any election <laughs> it could night it just take a lot longer to get the news uh, okay well also on uh, Bloomberg uh, this morning that I think you should be having a look at is uh, Tim Ross talking about the frenzied fortnight there you go alliteration uh, we've got to find some new ways of describing brexit don't we uh, so it's the frenzied fortnight according to tim ross as britain and eu negotiators are locked in these talks in brussels i mean i've heard a lot from guests actually this morning that the fact that there have not been that many leaks uh, may be a good sign that that may be you know pointing in the direction of there actually being a deal between the uk and the eu Absolutely. Let's bring back Seb Dance, the uh, Labour MEP for London. Uh, Seb, I want to touch on the uh, the manifesto, the Labour manifesto uh, that was not published yet, but there's been some uh, announcements at conference, uh, particularly the nationalisation plan. The CBI is saying this would cost £196 billion, almost as much as the NHS and education budgets in total. That's a lot of money to spend on one policy. Uh, what, yes, but nationalisation of what? What are we talking here? Well, water, energy, um, basically the railways, All the, of the mail, public utilities, every everything. public utility. All in one fell swoop. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I think nationalisation uh, on its own, uh, you know, is obviously a, a, a policy that will cost a lot of money. I'm, I'm, I'm not party to the costings. I haven't seen what the shadow treasury team have come up in terms of where uh, uh, income will come from. But, um, yeah, clearly... Uh, but it's a long-standing policy aim of the Labour Party to nationalise public utilities and ensure that we have public ownership of certainly the railways um, and uh, uh, other national utilities. But uh, I'm, I'm afraid I can't give you any details on the costings. OK, you know, well, I suppose the thing that is surprising is just... Um 
it's not that these issues are, are not new. It is it is the fact that it's would be so expensive. It's all doable, but it's how you pay for it, isn't it? Um, look, I mean, my other question really, uh, and I know that obviously you're a Labour MEP, um, but it is also interesting to get your views in, in terms of what is going on nationally with the Labour Party. I mean, one of my key questions is whether Jeremy Corbyn is actually still in charge or whether Mm. it's actually the shadow chancellor, John McDonnell, who is taking the lead here. And, you know, whether that brings up issues of um, of who may be the next leader in terms of the Mm. Labour Party and whether actually we get a change of leadership within the National Party. Mm. Well, we're certainly in a a moment of uh, tumult, shall we say, within the uh, well, within all parties, I think probably uh, the focus on delivering Brexit by the 31st of October is masking divisions in the Tory party. And what you're seeing at the moment is a focus on divisions, potential divisions in the Labour Party. I think certainly there's been a lot of movement over the weekend uh, between the uh, camps of the shadow chancellor and and the leader pushing, toing and froing. um, And unfortunately, the kind of tussle seems to have been on our Brexit policy. So um, with John McDonnell's side effectively saying that we want <clears throat> we want a potential referendum before a general election and the leader saying actually no we want a general election before uh, anything else. And indeed uh, other MPs coming out saying I want I mean, a Labour Brexit. Is, is... <laughs> yeah it's not great. It's it's uh, you know for, for in my in my from my perspective you know our Brexit policy has been a bit of a mess from the start. Um, you know, when we faced the electorate in the European elections, uh, the effect of that fudge was that we lost half of our of our number, um, and the Liberal Democrats made huge gains uh, all across London and, and, and of course all across uh, the UK as well. And I think that if we were to repeat that in a general election, it's it's a terrible mistake. So disarray within Labour then, and the prospect of UK MEPs becoming abolished if Brexit happens, would you run well, in... Yeah, in, we've lived in, with in, that for three years. So. Yeah. <laughs> would you run in Westminster? Um, I, yeah, well, possibly. But, um, you know, it, it... What would make you consider a bid? What would make me consider a bid? Um, well, I, I think, ultimately, I think this country is suffering from... A huge failure in leadership. I think that we're witnessing uh, a collapse in our uh, normal political order. I think that Brexit has put everything under enormous strain. It wouldn't surprise me at all if the Tory party were to split. It wouldn't surprise me at all if there were a reconditioning of of, uh, what happens in the Labour Party as well. Uh, And I would like to think that if, for example, we were to leave the European Union, that there would be voices such as mine arguing vociferously for our place to be back at the heart uh, of Europe, because uh, that is ultimately is, where I think our future lies. Yeah, That's what would make me Which is a, a scary prospect to spend. I mean, it has been mooted by many, hasn't it? Um, particularly in the wake of the shock referendum result, that we could actually spend a decade in this awful circular uh, scenario mm-hmm. of uh, trying least, to get out of Brexit and then potentially trying to get back into the yep. EU. I think the, the one estimate in terms of the transition period has us uh, in it for 15 years. Uh, according to some papers from the Commission, namely, is it even possible to get to the second stage? Because all of this, you know, incident is just the first stage of Brexit. This, the, the discussion about the withdrawal agreement, the uh, losses in the House of Commons three times by the former Prime Minister, the replacing of the Prime Minister, the current uh, hoo-ha, it's all just the first stage. It's supposed to be the easy bit. We'll be doing this for decades. 
And if Brexit does happen then, do you think there would be an immediate or would you support an immediate campaign to rejoin? Or do yeah. you think a bit of soul searching? No, I would. No, absolutely I would support. Do you think the ap- appetite there is for yeah, the country? I, I, well, I, 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 I mean, not only obviously did 48% of, of the electorate on that day vote to remain in the European Union, but I think that movement has grown. I think the polls are consistent in showing that more people consider it the wrong decision rather than the right decision. Uh, I think there are... Uh, you know, there is a clear uh, pro-European movement in this country that is perhaps the biggest on the continent uh, in terms of the uh, feeling and groundswell of opinion. And I think that you know this epic mistake that this government is intent on driving through is something that that certainly younger people. Uh, will want to play a part in in reversing. Okay, but I mean, also I hear a lot um, about Brexit fatigue. You know, yeah, equally absolutely. that people are, are, are sort of, um, you know, not wanting to to fight this battle again, and perhaps happy to accept that we should leave the, the European Union. But I, bad I, news for everyone. The fatigue is is not going to go away. <laughs> I also want to ask you a question, though, specifically about London. Obviously, the current Prime Minister, having been the Mayor of London, uh, you know, and closely linked with the city, um, th- there has not been. Um, um, the exodus of jobs and of money from mm. particularly the city of London, but you know the city and the southeast more um, broadly, that many people anticipated. It's not been the disaster actually. So I can understand the cries from Brexit supporters saying, mm. you know, it was scaremongering. Well, uh, talk to Airbus, talk to uh, Thomas Cook. Uh, talk to uh, JP Morgan, talk to all of the institutions that have already transferred a lot of their operations uh, outside of, uh, of the UK. I mean, if you're a big company, actually, some of these decisions are relatively easy to make. You know, you're, you're uh, changing a few staff here and there, but ultimately it's the capital that's moving rather than the people. What Those about decisions this, were made very early on. What about this policy we saw reported in the Mail on Sunday that uh, the government will push to incentivize skilled migrants to settle outside of London? That that makes sense, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, one, one of the other problems we have in this country, of course, is that it's far too centralized, that you have far too much. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.